Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy Sam Gilstrap. That name's got a ring to it like a wedding vow. I hope you're having a great time tonight. Or today anyway. It's Thursday. It's noonish. We're in the we're in the dead heat of summer. And today I've got the fire that is Elasia Gray. What's up? What up? How are you doing today? <laughs> I am great. Nice. You keeping cool out there? Yeah, trying. That's all trying. we can do. Right. <laughs> Boom. Yes. The rap horn is back, everybody. I finally figured out how the volume control works. Watch me screw it up later on tonight. <laughs> um, today's unofficial beverage is the uh, El Humidor Margarita, handcrafted by your boy, Sam Gilstrap. And Cheers. It's, it's delicious. Cheers. Thank you. Mm -hmm. oh, I know my way around a bar <laughs> every once in a while. Um, anyway... Yes, the song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Please download that immediately so they don't sue me. Um, <laughs> otherwise, Alasia. Bam. Thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. This is going to be a fun time. The, the Ghost Sites podcast has been eagerly trying to get a hold of to, to nail you down. Yes. We're both really busy people. There's a lot of reasons why. One of those reasons why, specifically for you, is talent. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. <laughs> you are, you are, you're welcome because you've earned that title. Hey, thanks. Theater, the arts, how did it get you? Ah, that is a great question. I would say when I was really, really little, like six-ish is when I fell into theater. It's like ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago, you know. Just, you know. <laughs> Wait a second, what? I should have served you that margarita. <laughs> Bring it back here. No, okay. Uh, but no, yeah, when I was really little, I think um, I always tell people... Being an only child, I think, helped because mm -hmm. I just had a wild imagination and like would sit there with my Monopoly games, pretending to be different people and <laughs> just like playing. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I think that just really fed my creativity as it was. And then just finding theater was like, hey, this is my place and performing. Like, this what was your love. first show with the kid? I think it was honestly some Shakespeare in kindergarten, which is yes. crazy that I was even. Kindergarten Shakespeare. Yes, which was like the fact that I was even introduced to Shakespeare at such a young age. The and bard for babies. To I the love teacher's this. credit, too, yeah. of like, that is very, that's ambitious. The, how, how did how did that get disseminated? Did she, like, just read in front of the class? I think so, and it wasn't, like, again, like, it wasn't even arts, like, mm -hmm. an art school or anything. It was, like, just my kindergarten class. I was like, hey, we're gonna do some, some William Shakespeare here. Definitely. So, yeah, and I think that was my first, um, that was my first taste of being on stage, was performing just some Shakespeare. Mm. And then talent shows and things like that I did like when I was younger as well. So were you a ham? Were you like? Yeah, you know. Did you like, did you like attention? I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think oh. I like to perform in general, but I think that's the misconception with only children. Uh -huh. People was like, you seem like an only child. People always tell me I don't seem like one. Oh. I'm actually very reserved in general. So I always tell people I'm an, an introverted extrovert. Nice. Okay. Extroverted introvert. So I, my, I thought, at my core, I'm an introvert. Yeah, I'm, I am surprised because I thought for sure you had like family, like brothers and sisters. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Probably, at least four no. siblings. No. no. It's just wow. me. This is you? It's just me. Okay. So you're you're sitting there in kindergarten, you're listening to Shakespeare. Yeah. What are some of the things about just theater that spoke to you? You know, I think um, self-expression um, and even this thing of like... There are no wrong answers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think actors in general are already hard on ourselves from wanting to make everything be right. And when you jump into a role, especially like, of course, there's the um, the work that goes into that. But I feel mm -hmm. like even at a young age, I just felt like there was something about theater that's just like 
so freeing and you it's just you up there and of course your castmates and things like that but like just have fun and don't think about the outside world or anything else just mm -hmm. really just be in that world so i really enjoyed that mm -hmm. from such a young age nice yeah and what is, no it, it absolutely <laughs> does yeah no it's i tend to ramble so sometimes i don't know if it no, please do. Please, <laughs> please ramble. Okay. It's, that's basically what a podcast is. Yes. Yeah. All right. It's this just is home then. Especially because like you, you'll get me going off on one of my tangents and mm -hmm. I get that far away visionary look like I smell a fart in the wind <laughs> and just be like, oh. oh what is that? Let's, let's reminisce about my life. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> what is it as you, as you look at what you do right now mm -hmm. as an artist? Like, I mean, me and you've had the opportunity to work together. Yes. Um, with Daniel You're Betts. amazing. Oh, thank, I thank you. Thank you. I, I, I will say this. Um, I am quite pleased with the handshake I created with me and Joseph Lamar. It was I don't one know of, if I saw it. You never oh, saw yes, it? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. On stage. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. The, I, my, my character in this uh, final fight of the Freedom Fighter had uh, elaborate handshakes with yes. everybody. And I'm terrified of handshakes because I always screw them up. Oh, and, but this one was really easy. It was just like the little the knuckle pound. And then we turn it into a cup, and you do the same. Sprinkle some sugar in yours, spin it up, and then I took your cup and drank what? it. What? I don't yeah. think I actually saw that thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was like, like that was like the last weekend we finally figured out, oh, this is what we're doing. This is it. This, this is, is how we're going to do it, Joseph. Yes. Thanks, thanks for riding with me on this. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, anyway, stage directions are a motherfucker. Please mm. bear with me when I try to figure out what to do with those. <laughs> uh, stage left, right? Stage left. That's right. Exit. This Center. is good. Center. Uh, no... What do you want me to do? Smile like what? I'm, <laughs> smile like I'm hiding something. I don't know what that looks like. What does that mean? Yeah, that's why we need table work, everybody. This is true. Mm -hmm. So you're this powerhouse actress. <laughs> Thank you. And what is it that you want from it? Ooh, that's a good question. It's a question I haven't asked before, but I'm sitting here going like, I get this idea like you. I mean, you got. You got a lot of hand, they got a lot of balls in the air. Like you're yeah. always grinding. Yeah. Like I see you in things. Yeah. What? What's the? Is there an end game? Have you even put a name to it yet, or are you just like, uh, I got my day job and I do this theater thing, or my day job is this theater thing? Like what is it? That's a great question. I feel like twofold. Luckily, I'm fortunate that my day job is theater. Like nice. when I'm not performing, I'm teaching or directing children's theater. Mm -hmm. So like everything I do is within that realm. Like even casting, I'm a casting associate. So there's oh, that um, for Sylvia Gregory casting. Sweet. I've done that six years now. No, seven since 2011. Nice. So yeah. Um, you let them know if they need any bikers for the Mayans. It's yes. coming out on FX. Hey, like I, I got will, that long uh, hair. I can get some fake tattoos. Exactly. We can make it work. Yeah, I'll you know keep my ears open. Mm -hmm. um, Sorry. But, no, <laughs> I love it. Self promotion. Self promotion. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, but what I want from it, I think I want to just make an impact on this world. Mm. And I think um, I'm super fortunate in the work that I do. And usually, I don't want to say I choose the work. I feel like the work kind of comes to me in what I do. But it's already just in line of who I with who I am and what I want to do by way of impact. Um, and I say that to mean like I do role play acting for law enforcement training. I do with middle or not middle medical students. Um, so even that type of acting is a form of like education. It's mm -hmm. um, especially for police officers. It's making their perspective different of people, especially women, people of color, because mm -hmm. uh, I'm one of the only black 
actors in the the company that I work with doing that. Mm. Um, and then even with the show I tour, Black with a Capital B, it's all about race and understanding and like, let's just make, let's just come together on this subject. Let's yeah. be better. Um, and then just last week I performed Sheltered, which was all about homelessness with women, mm -hmm. um, specifically in Denver. So like a lot of the things I do are just very call to action. Even Final Fight, when we did yeah. that show, Final Fight with the Freedom Fire, it's very call to action. It's not just, hey, I, audience is here to have a good time and escape escapism which is great as well yeah. but it's then once i leave this place as an audience member i'm thinking different what am i going to do different what impact did that just have on me for me to affect change in my Absolutely. own life so i feel super fortunate as an actor and even again hello playing sleeping beauty yeah. huge like yeah what that meant for little brown kids to like uh and not only brown kids but white kids as well who are just like Wow, like, okay, they're looking at their little little black girl in their class a little different, the little boys of like, yeah. oh, yeah, she's cute, because, like, Sleeping Beauty was cute, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. just the feedback I would get from the kids, even in that regard, and it's just so huge, and so I feel like with anything that I do, it's just, like, again, impacting the world. And Where did you do the Sleeping Beauty? That was at the Denver Children's Theater. Awesome. Yeah, so that was a good three-month run of just, like, yes. That's... Like, oh, my I, God. I, I will say that, like, I've been... I've, of late, I've become more and more active in teaching, and I got another week coming up at the JCC here. Nice. Yeah, I was there last week. It's it's so much fun yeah. working with these little kids and getting them excited about these random things. Yeah. But they don't like with when they see a specific character in a play, mm -hmm. and, I, and I've had this conversation with a lot of different actors, like Kent Rendell talking about. Um, seeing West Side Story for the first time yeah. and seeing people that look like him yeah. going like, holy crap, I can sing and dance? Like, yeah. I can do that? Yeah. And, and, and then, but even that, it goes deeper. Like, that's a princess. Yes. She owns land. Yes. She's, she is in charge of a lot of things. Yeah. And, and for that to be seen by young black children, young children in general yep. to understand that it's not just like I don't know whatever's presented on TV because sometimes mm -hmm. it's not the most glorified thing that we see on TV Absolutely. unless you're watching a specific set set of channels and the number of those channels or should say shows is mm -hmm. small yeah I mean you've got like maybe two specific African-American black centric entertainment channels and then right. you've got like maybe three shows yeah and unless you watch unless you like I don't even know anymore like the UPN used to have a lot of them, <laughs> right. and now they don't. Malisha, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back exactly. In the day. Yeah. Do you so? With that, working with the kids, my, what, I want to I want to dive into that a little bit, but also I want to hear about this time working with police officers in the yeah, training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, what? First of all, how did you get involved in that? And in the, yeah. In the police training. Mm -hmm. Um. So it was a couple years ago. I don't even. I think. I want to say it was a former teacher of mine or maybe it was a fellow actor friend just told me about the company in general and yeah. I was like oh that sounds like a really interesting thing that like there is training it's crisis intervention training so the fact that that's even like a thing for police officers because you know as a civilian I don't know what their training process is and mm -hmm. what all goes into that um, so when I heard there's a component for actors to help them in their training. I was just like, oh, yes, I'm yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very, um, 
it's a very interesting thing, and I don't do it all the time. It just depends on like when, what the schedule is, and all that good stuff, obviously. Um, but <sighs> I always say this, especially um, when we do Black with Capital B, because it, it, there's a police brutality component, which is a huge component of that show. Yeah. Um, of just this notion of like them against us, meaning not even about like people of color or anything like that, but just police versus regular everyday civilian mm. people um and just some of the things i would hear them say even when it's like if i'm portraying a character that just has mental health issues mm. they're in the jail and just kind of the the mindset they have of like oh well i would have just already snatched this person up and done this this and that right xyz mm. instead of take a moment look at them as human and i i totally get that like in their everyday life this is just normal they're probably dealing with people who um are just not the easiest to deal with all the time. So it's very difficult to be like, well, you guys treat everyone as a human. Cause after a while that probably is your approach mm -hmm. at first. And then, you know, you, you just become desensitized to like human beings and yeah. because you're just looking at the disrespect that you feel like you're getting or the, um, what word do I want to use? Just um, people being defiant toward you or whatever. You're already dealing with that every day. So yeah. absolutely at some point it's like, I no longer see these people as human beings. Mm. But it was just very like disheartening though, as an actor portraying a mental health patient, for instance, or just any of these different characters I've had to portray, or people, I don't even want to call them characters because they're real people at the yeah. end of the day. Um, and to just kind of hear the some of the chatter and just some of the mindset of the officers. Mm. Um, but I will say that's, a handful of the officers and they're not all officers some of them like, again work in the jails they're different capacities of yeah. law enforcement mm -hmm. um but then on the other hand of that the beauty in some of the people who just get extremely emotional by what they're seeing um and really want to make a difference they really might start off where like they're just like oh whatever this training whatever this isn't even real you know and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you see this shift in Hopefully, if they're getting actors that are portraying it right, where it's not—it's no longer just this little training they have to do and like whatever. Mm -hmm. You see this human element to them that they didn't have before, and that just seeing that shift is so beautiful. Just mm -hmm. as an actor, as a person, of like, dang, I affected you to where the next time you have a random police stop or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you were gonna think differently about how you treat this person, how you walk into a scenario, whether you had a crappy day, they had a crappy day, right? You just are looking at it different because of this training. Mm -hmm. So for that, I'm just so thankful of some of the um, law enforcement agencies that are part of it yeah. who make it mandatory for mm -hmm. their um, trainees. And yeah, how much I hope of... I answered that question. No, <laughs> like I, I just went off once again, <laughs> but hey, yeah, it's a podcast. Ramble on. Yes. Okay. Talk. Yeah. Preach. Preach. Talk that talk. <laughs> my 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 follow up to that is how did did any of that work in those trainings with yeah. police officers? Did that affect your involvement in Black with a Capital B, or was it something that you did after the fact in response to? Um, that's a great question. I think I was already doing that work before Black with a Capital B. Okay. I've been touring Black with a Capital B since 2016. Mm. It's just amazing that that is even still happening like brilliant it was our playwright's first work that she ever wrote nice. she was a young playwright i think she was like 20 at the time she wrote it 
um, and we've just kind of taken off as far as like the places we've done. We've done it for a ton of high schools. Yes. We just did it for the Colorado Reach Conference like last week, no, two weeks ago, um, which is for educators. We've done it for a group of lawyers and judges. Like so, the the people that that even reaches is just like oh my gosh. Um, but on the police front with that, it's interesting because at the end of our shows, we don't really get into the police brutality aspect. Oh. And that's a huge component of the show. Mm. Um, but it's more so because we do the show and it's facilitated by Danielle Vets um, afterwards. He's our director of it. But he nice. facilitates the conversation. The show is like 25, 30 minutes. And then the conversation after is like 30 minutes to an hour. Mm. So it's like the conversation is even longer than the show. And it's just beautiful. Um, but it's, I always say to Donnie and to Dee from Curious, because mm. um, it's through Curious Theater Company, I'm always just like, you know, no one ever ends up talking about the police aspect. No one talks about the police brutality and, you know, for people of color, especially black people. Mm -hmm. And like, I always just find that very interesting that that's, not that it's missed, because at the core of it, we need to talk about race first. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because that is why. Um, these things happen, but we did at one show have an ex-black, um, I think he was Denver Police Department officer, say something like, uh, he was just saying how like, just even from his training, they were taught to shoot black targets. And they mm. were, like just some of the things, and he didn't say it out loud, he didn't want to, um, I, I don't think that it's not, he, he didn't want to speak up during the conversation, but it was like, he was taking in everything that everybody else was saying, and it was like a little apprehensive to be like, well, but we were just like, oh, your voice is so important because we don't always get the police officer perspective mm -hmm. in these conversations and like, you are in it, right? Absolutely. And so, um, so I guess to answer that question, sort of just my background and working in that capacity helps me at least bring that to the community, bring it to the forefront of their brain as we're talking about race and everything else. It's just like, oh, let's also talk about this police brutality component, but also, um, Again, just police versus everybody else. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not just about race. It's just like how they perceive everyone else. Absolutely. It's just this club. And I respect police officers and what they do, but also we got to look at, you know, the things that are actually happening. Mm -hmm. And so to hear his perspective, I was like, why didn't you speak up? Like, why didn't you say something? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people disconnect the two, unfortunately. If that makes sense. That, I think so. I mean, I, for me, like, I've, been, I've been lucky outside of that couple of, parking or parking tickets and speeding violations yeah like I've never been in a situation where I'm like I don't know what's gonna happen next mm -hmm. um I because that's that's one of the things that's been been prevalent of late I mean like I've tried to try to wrap my head around like of all the things that are happening in the world right. especially in America right now yeah where it seems little is being done to affect those changes yeah um where you're sitting there and you go like, I don't know what that feeling is like when you're driving in your car and you get pulled over and you go for, like, obviously when you get pulled over for speeding, you know that you, that's what happened yeah. and your brain goes like, fuck, right. I got to deal with this now. I don't yeah. want to pay a hundred dollar speeding ticket, those right. insurance points. That's what everyone should probably worry about. Right. Like, like the, the reasons why they were pulled over as opposed to like, I'm just... This is exponentially worse because I'm black. Yeah, and like I hope it, I make it through it. Yeah. I hope. Like, I got to do this by the book. By the way, here's my cell phone. Let me get that propped up so we can see everything happening and here. And even that doesn't save you. Doesn't even save you. Because even some of the... Like, I mean, you know, for a specific incident that happened in a backyard in California, the, the 
the body cams got shut off for 30 minutes and no one knows why. Right. And that's after the shooting took place. I know I don't want to dive into too much of that because, yeah. I mean, but... But so, it's such a huge... And I always say, even after the show in general, I'm always like, I think about my family, mm-hmm. my little cousins, my uncle who's not too much older than me. Like, that's a real thing. And I, there was one show we did, um, and like, in the, in the show... There's an incident where a young 12-year-old black boy is killed by the police mm. for no other reason than holding a baseball bat. Oh. And it was very interesting in one of the shows, someone says, well, what did he do? And it's like, well, that's the exact point. He didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything. He just had a bat. He's perceived as a threat because he's black. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, for someone who doesn't know what that's like and, like, their perspective is not that in the way they navigate this world, it's like, ugh. It just hurts that that's even still a question sometimes, mm-hmm. especially with a lot of these cases that we have seen where it's like, they weren't doing anything. That is the whole point. They're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Young, dads, whatever, right? There's always like, well, but what, but what did he do? Mm-hmm. Instead of like just looking at, no, this person was just merely a victim. We, yeah. This. It's amazing how the culture of victim blaming has become so prevalent in my, over the course of my lifetime. Like, yeah. I'm 34 years old, going on 35, like... I remember a time when it was like, oh, he was, he, that's a bad person for doing that. Yeah. And now, ever so slightly, we've tried to like, oh, she was asking for it. He shouldn't have been in that part of town. If he didn't do anything, why did he run? The, right. All of these things. I'm like, well, it, there's answers to all of those questions. Yeah. But it's not the victim's fault. Like, it, anyway. Yeah. With the work that you're doing. Yes. It's you make you drew to an, an a very important point is to try and get that that particular voice out there in the world yeah. and I so often feel like um, at least the package that's been sold to me when I think about the cops is like they they operate behind this blue wall and it's a brotherhood mm-hmm, even absolutely. though there are some women that work on that they're entrenched in this it's us mentality versus the world yeah. um so that's why when you see things like blue lives matter you're going like yes mm-hmm. obviously do but mm-hmm. you've got enough bad apples in the whole group that are ruining it for a specific population so that's why we're doing this exactly. um well I, I don't want to speak for that movement particularly but that's part of it yeah and it is important to get those people who operate behind that blue shield to Make it more open and more accessible, and like this is this is what we train, and this is how we train. Like it'd be yeah. great to see those stories come out. Yeah. When you think about making an impact, do you think that goes beyond? Like, are you thinking just like as? Let me rephrase. Do you find it as a responsibility as an artist to make an impact, or is this a choice you've made specifically for yourself? That's a good question. I think. It's a choice I've made specifically for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find like sometimes I hear celebrities say like when they're like, you know, kids role models and idols and stuff and they're like, well, I didn't ask to be that. I'm not that, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I have, on one hand it's like, well, you're famous and you're just a celebrity so you do have a responsibility. But on the other hand, I understand when they're like, I, not that they didn't ask for it, because obviously they won't either. Probably yeah. super happy to be famous and whatever. But I do have that empathy of like, 
all of a sudden you're just exalted to this place that you didn't necessarily ask for, you didn't know it was going to come with it. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge responsibility to put on celebrities of like, again, uh, even raising your kids when people are like, oh, well, they listen to this rap music or they follow this particular celebrity and they are out here in the street doing crazy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're not responsible for raising your child. Absolutely. So in, yeah, so in that regard, I feel like I don't want to speak for other artists and be like, it's our responsibility. Because there might be some people who are like, no, oh, I just love theater and I'm just here to like do this and that's what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not asking for anything else from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I'll only speak for myself in that. I feel like it's my responsibility, absolutely, and I've made a choice that it is very much so what I do and mm. the work that I do. Yeah. Um, and even, again, in teaching kids as well, like, I direct children's theater, teach all over the state um, kids and coach actor, young actors who, like, one stars on his TV show right now, which nice. is awesome. He stars on Fuller House. Oh, sweet. Um, oh, yeah, former kiddo of mine. He plays Max. He's, like, one of the main characters. Oh, man. Um, Big ups, Max. Yeah, man. His real name's Elias. He's amazing. He's following. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Get like... That Netflix money. There, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just think even that, I feel like as an educator, I take that responsibility even more serious. Mm. Um, and not only again for kids, but in being a standardized patient for medical students, even that is a part of their education to be um, doctors. And like, so just in that role, just taking it very serious. Mm. Um, forgive me, do you find that this is a necessity within all theater communities? In terms of like, for your specific focus. Yeah. Like I want to impact children, I want to make sure that I've got, I, I've got my hand in something that speaks to the culture that's happening in this world yeah. socially. Like, is that something that you find is lacking? I think, yeah. I think there's a lot of places that I won't say pretend to be in line with that. Mm. Um, I think it's hopefully in their best effort to be in line with that, but they just don't always really go through with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are some theaters, curious specifically, I always highlight them, that just are really about the change and they walk the talk, talk, walk the talk, <laughs> mm -hmm. walk the walk. Um, they walk it how they talk it, basically, Migos voice. Uh, but yeah, like, sure, yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's so important too, because if you're not doing that, you're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Like if you're saying, well, this is what we um, strive to be. This is what we strive to do. Um, this is what we stand for. But then you're not showing that. Yeah. Action is way more important than Absolutely. what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, do I think it's a responsibility to all theaters? I think that was a part of the first question. Yeah, um, just to, to the community in general. Yeah, like, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Because then it's like, are you awake? Are you alive? Pinch yourself. Are you, you know, in tune with what is going on in, in the world? Outside of your bubble, outside of your state, outside mm -hmm. of, you know, just where what you're doing. Are you aware of everything else around you? Um, and that's one thing, um, I feel like for young artists in general, I always say to be a well-rounded performer, mm -hmm. but even in to do that, be a well-rounded person, be knowledgeable, yeah. um, do different things. Don't just be an actor. Mm -mm. Don't just mm -mm. do that. Come on. <laughs> Record a podcast. Who are doing it. Exactly. Get be your voice out there. Exactly. Get your own content going. Exactly. You gotta, I mean... 
there's a separation between what it is that we do on stage. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, even now, like, I'm going to I'm gonna take a second to just talk about a specific moment in the show that I'm working on. Yeah. Um, we're doing Complete Works of Shakespeare, and in it there is a rap that yes. is done. And we rap Othello. Yes. And it's... Predominantly, I am considered ethnically ambiguous. Okay. But I'm, I'm Navajo, more than anything. Yeah. And then uh, the rest of my cast... They're Caucasians. I was the way it's written initially from the script that we got definitely needs some rewrites. Okay. I mean, there's there's some things that are a little tone deaf in 2018. Yeah. And 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 leading into that, like it, the rap ends with a combined salute to Africa. Okay. And I was just like, I I I'm really uncomfortable with this. Uh, okay. Um, and I thankfully my two other actors, Luke Allen, Luke Ramsdorf Terry and Ben Hilzer are were very supportive and they thought the idea was also funny so we've changed the way the rap ends and okay. we've allowed me to be uncomfortable with this whole why are we telling this story this specific way like yeah. what makes us think we can do this okay and that's kind of where i'm doing it from I'm like yeah. so like i i get roped into it and then i i'm always kind of this voice like i'm trying to steer the story away from where this could go yeah and it, i mean and and for me, that's allowed me to a little bit of like a little bit space to relax and play <laughs> with that because uh-huh. I was extremely nervous about that particular sub section of the script. As was as I'm nervous every time I see "Lend Me a Tenor" being done, and it's usually um, it's they talk about it's an Italian guy singing a black man's like a, a role designed for a black man, Othello. Othello. Yeah. It's funny how the the same play comes up in the same stories here. Uh, but um, anyway, I've got a separation. Like, even though in a show like Complete Works, The Shakespeare Bridge, you have the audience inter- interactions, but yeah. there's a separation between what it is. Like, the lights are dim. I can hide a little bit. Mm. I can recess. But people aren't always staring at you. Right. Although there's somebody who's always looking at you in the house, but not all, not all eyes are always on you. Right. So I'm allowed to just kind of step back and, and just be the actor playing around. If yeah. I didn't have the support of the rest of the cast on this, um, and the director as well. Like I, I think it would have been it would a lot tougher. Yeah. Um, but and, and and to be fair, it wasn't just my decision. It was a collective group decision. But in the end, I was holding on to it. In other areas, um, it's hard to not take a stand and to not to do so, knowing that you don't have that separation of I am just an actor. And these are my personal opinions. Like, when you say, like, up in front of somebody, like, hey, dude, don't grab the waitress like that. That's not your right. Mm-hmm. Or just because she's a lady, you think you can grab her by the elbow. Or don't get started talking to me about immigration, like, all these things. Because, mm-hmm. like, you're, you're fucking wrong if you're supporting <laughs> Walmarts being turned into makeshift prisons. Right. But they're not makeshift prisons. They're, like, summer camps. Fuck oh, you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely not. Feel yeah. So, I mean, we've got this... I, I think what I'm trying to get to is this. I think I've become more socially aware, with especially within the last couple of years, working with some of the people I've worked with. But also, through theater, it's made me more comfortable being socially aware and to wanting to talk about specific things and wanting to fight for specific things and asking specific questions. I think it's a necessity. Yeah. Um, and where I stand with you... In the beginning of my career, I never really thought like I was going to have a, a, a position to make an impact. Yeah. I don't believe I necessarily am, 
making an impact now, but I have this desire to just be as open about my beliefs and prejudices as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I say prejudices because I think to an extent, like, I am prejudiced against MAGA hat-wearing people. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm prejudiced against you. I do not trust you right from Jump Street. Right. Um, and prove me wrong. Let's have a conversation where I can be the, the asshole here. I'm yeah. more than open to that. Yeah. But, I mean, those are the kinds of things that I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to be more and more foot down, locked in about. Right. And I think theater has emboldened that in me. Yeah. Um, as you go forward within this community and your choices, do you find now there's an urgency to that work? Like now it's more important than it was when I got into the game, when I started mm-hmm. collecting paychecks for this. Mm-hmm. Like is there... Or is it just something that's always stayed constant with you? Like, no, I'm going to get in and I'm going to make a difference. Um, I would say I think it was always, you know, a part of what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely now more so than ever. Um, I think just in this climate of the world we're in right now and... Oh, there's just so much going on that it's mm-hmm. like it's necessary. Mm. Mm-hmm. Versus like when I first started, of course, when I was little, I, you know, I wasn't thinking about any of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and even I guess through high school, college, like you know, I wasn't really too too much thinking about that. Uh, but yeah, I think now more than ever, you have a platform. You have your voice mm-hmm. um, especially in theater where we're supposed to be accepting of all and like this is the place that everyone can come and everyone is welcome um, if anything is ever faltering or wavering in that regard mm, you gotta speak up on it yeah, absolutely um, and I think again even just being a black actress there's already a level of that where I know like and I don't want to speak for all black actors but there's already this whole you know notion of like there's not a lot of opportunities for us mm-hmm. and um as it is and, and again I'm so thankful that like I've had amazing opportunities I don't feel like I'm like oh well, I just mm. don't get opportunities however I do see that like there's some things where like I'm not even going to go audition for that because there's not yeah. they're not going to cast me even if I blow them out of the water this is for a white family this is you know like yeah. it just is what it is yeah um and I know I've said this before, it's unfortunate when I hear fellow actors who are not people of color who are just like, what does that mean for me when theaters are going for diversity or things mm-hmm. like that? And it's ha- and even in those moments, yeah. I guess with speaking up, it's like hard to be like, hey, but look at my perspective. Because I feel like, unfortunately, and I feel like I keep taking it back to just being a person of color, I'm already, I don't want to say conditioned, but I'm already, I already navigate this world very differently. Mm-hmm. Even, even just being black female, like the way I have conversations with people, I have to think twice about how I'm coming into this conversation. Am I making sure I'm not doing a head nod or neck swivel or whatever? Because they're already just going to assume, right? No matter what I say and how I package it. Do you ever snap your fingers? You know, I don't. Okay. You know, I just figure, let's, let's just not even go there. Okay. But, <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, so even that, like I just feel like there's already this navigation as a black female. And, and in my personal life, in my artist life, oh. I'm always dealing with that, and mm-hmm. I hate it. And when I bring that to people's attention, 
I get one of two things. People who are just like, oh my gosh, like I've never thought about it that way, or like, wow, and like, so even in those moments when someone's like, well, yeah, what does it mean for me? It's hard to just be like, well, what do you think? How do you think I feel? Again, mm -hmm. with that example of like, you may not be able to do this one show, but imagine the 30, 40 other shows you can go audition for that I won't even think about mm -hmm. because I know they're not gonna cast me. Absolutely. Not that I'm not a great actress, no. like I, you know, but it just is what it is. So that is my reality. And so when I hear people start to realize that that's their reality for one or two shows and like the discomfort, it's like, to me, I, like I almost smile of like, hmm, so now you get what we're trying to say. But it's hard to have those conversations sometimes, or or I'm tired of having those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and even unfortunately now I'm in a situation where like always speaking, always speaking up about race or you know something mm -hmm. that I see that's like not in line with what we should be doing. I'm in trouble for it. Like mm -hmm. I. So I guess I'm, I, this is a roundabout way. I'm just thinking about what you were saying just as far as speaking up and like, is it more important now than ever? It is, but unfortunately, I still get the repercussions for mm. that. Whether it's intentional or not, that's the whole point of a microaggression, right? It's yeah. like, they want you to speak up and they advocate for that, but then the minute you do it, it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Mm. If it's not in line with the vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, 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 wanna, I wanna talk, so I had a conversation with, um, a person I consider to be a friend after our first podcast, uh, Christina Fontaine, who's okay. assistant district merchant. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about, in some of this conversation that we just had, me yeah. and you, came up after the fact. Right. Um, some of the best ghost lights happen after the the, the camera goes off Ooh. and the recording stops. <laughs> but real talk, I have the idea that a non-ethnically diverse, let me just say, white people, white actors, <laughs> sorry, if you're worried about your work being, should say, I should say, not being readily available because we're trying to go to a meritocracy, step your game up. That's my, that's my counter argument. Like, yeah. that's one of the things, I've been so lucky and so fortunate that my red skin and my ability to grow a specific amount of facial hair and my long hair makes me look different. Yeah. Now, has it led to financial success? Not necessarily, but I've played some amazing fucking parts because I look it and I yeah. can get the accent quickly. Boom. And that's but that's because I put the time in and the work in. Like a yeah. Bengal Tiger, that took effort. Guards at the Taj, that took time and effort. Yeah. I've also played Othello. Like so I and, I've, and I mentioned this before on the podcast. There's a lot of reasons why I got those parts. I am thankful for all those opportunities. However, if the directors in those positions to cast those shows said, "Nope, I'm going specific. I'm going specific here with the race." Mm -hmm. Thank you, mm -hmm. because specifically we need to tell those stories. It needs to be told from that person's perspective, that culture's perspective. And I've got mine coming in other places. Now, I've got a separate, like, I've got this separate thing that I'm always interested in. It's like, Black Elk Speaks happened, and that's it. Like, we have no Native American stories out there <laughs> right. outside of Black Elk Speaks, it seems right. like, or Cuckoo's Nest. 
and and I play. I've been lucky enough to play chief, but I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. Right. So I'm I'm trying to make I'm trying to make a living in a theater community that's not specifically going to be steered in my direction. Right. Um. So there's a lot to be said about a meritocracy. Recently, I tried to audition for a show through Athena Project. And I was told by the director, Angela Astle, that she wanted to keep it as as authentic as possible. She was asking for Pakistani men to show up and audition. Mm-hmm. I was not invited to any readings because I think she got enough. That makes me extremely happy and proud. Yeah. You can totally reject me if that is your goal. Yes. Like, I'm going to tell an authentic story here. And Sam, well, I think you could definitely do it. I read for the play when they were in a crunch for people. Like, right. Word, I got you. Yeah. Don't worry about it. If we if we move to a place where it is not just about like I'm gonna lose out on these opportunities because we're because we're trying to level the playing field. Like people, it should have been leveled years ago. Yeah. We should have been operating on this level for a long freaking time. Yeah. Be thankful that it's happening now and it's putting an onus on you to give a damn more about your craft. And that's not saying that those people who are having those conversations aren't trying their best at becoming the best artist they can be. Yeah. But it's just like, maybe you're not, maybe we'll get to a place where the director's vision is all that matters. Yeah. And we can, and, and it's hard. I'm an artist. I'm an actor. I'm also extremely self-deprecating and <laughs> I always want to know that people like my work and all that stuff. I mean, that we all deal with that on some level. Yeah. Some of us are better at dealing with it than others. Yeah. We don't like hearing we're not enough for a specific role, but right. I mean... But see, and with that, though, God, and I hate... Like, there was a situation where there was a show that should have been, like, an all-black cast, let me just be frank, and it wasn't cast that way. Okay, fine, no, not a big deal, I guess. It's, we're used to it. Um... And I remember when asking why that was the case, because it wasn't just me curious, it was teachers and students and parents who were like, hey, we read these books that this is based on. We know what these characters should look like. Mm-hmm. Why was this a decision? And I couldn't, I didn't have the effing answer. You can say I didn't fucking. have the answer for the people responsible for making that choice. So I asked those people. And... Um, God, the, the answers were like, I want a diverse cast, multicultural, whatever, whatever. And even that, like, to not see the impact mm-hmm. of what that means for little kids who are coming here trying to see themselves represented. I just hate the fact that it's so easy for when there is not opportunity that you can make a choice and take that opportunity away when it is presented. Like, mm-hmm. you are comfortable to be like, oh, well... I know this is probably how it should be, but instead I'm just going to do this when it is for people of color. Yeah. Like I have a huge issue with that yeah. because unfortunately as people of color, we can't even do like when Frozen was here and I think it was Olaf was black. Oh God, he's black. When Hamilton was here, oh, I can't believe like every white people are in a rage when a black character or a black actor is playing a white character, right? Um, even I have to say with Sleeping Beauty, I was so... My God, I, even to this day, I can tear up right now. I was shocked that they even cast me as Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Like, they invited me to audition, and I knew, like, all right, cool. No way in hell did I think they were considering me for Sleeping Beauty. I thought, the witch or whatever, something. And so they kept having me read for Sleeping Beauty, kept having me read, and I'm like, wait, what? 
is this real? And then I was cast as Leaving Beauty, and I'm just like, no freaking way. Um, and what I loved about that story specifically, because I have to say, it wasn't like, oh, this is a white character, we're just going to cast this black girl. It was a different version of the story, so it already was set up like, oh, the king and queen found this baby in the forest. Like, mm -hmm. So she was always black. She was already different. She yeah. was already other. It wasn't like, ooh, she's taking this role. You know what I mean? But um, just in doing the show, I was super thankful, super grateful, but also apprehensive, also not apprehensive, nervous, mm. because of knowing the people who think, you know, and I said this actually in an article John Moore did for me on playing the character, people who think they're progressive or think they're, you know, in line with what you're in line with, or they, they just, again, think they're progressive. Yeah. Don't always, when they're faced with it, that's not really what they're about. And so I was really nervous to have kids or parents or teachers or whatever just be like, oh, but why is she black? And like, you know, like, I was just waiting for it. Yeah. And luckily I only had one comment ever from a little girl who was like, well, in the movie, she was blonde. And like, she was just trying to like say like, well, in the Disney film, this is how it was. And I loved in that moment to be like, well, hey, but in this version of the story, yeah. and there's different versions of Sleeping Beauty because there's like 10 different versions of totally. it, which is great. Um, there's even a version where she dies. Yes, there's some there's some crazy <laughs> some, versions. There's some effed up stories out there, people. Kids get eaten. There's some crazy yeah. ones. Um, but even for that, it was just like, what a beautiful <laughs> moment that I can educate this kid. And all the kids in the room. I'm like, no, but there's different stories. Um, and like you said earlier, her being a princess. Princesses come in all different shapes, yeah. shades, colors, sizes. Um, and even just with what I love too with Black Panther, how that just came out this year too, of just elevating what that means and like seeing different people in these roles. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. But I say all that to say versus a situation where it was like, this is sh how it should have been. These characters should have been black. And then a decision is made to be like, oh, we're just going to sprinkle it in and make just one of them. And then we'll have the other people. We'll salt and pepper. Else. Yeah, it's just, it's not fair. And to not see that or to even be defensive about that instead of just seeing like the impact that is making that you can't see, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm give you the benefit of the doubt that maybe you can't see it, but I'm telling you, yeah. this is the feedback. Does that even register to you? Do you care? You know, like yeah. it's just, ah. So that, in what you just said, it just really resonated with knowing I spoke up about something like that and it was just such a disconnect where it's like, dang, I just thought we're all on the same page on this, and like, this shouldn't even be a thing. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think it's mm. one of the things that's so interesting, is like, what you were specifically talking about when you played Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Like, so much of our idea of it goes back to this traditional thing. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, when we were all up in arms um, after the first um, trailer for Force Awakens came out, and you saw Finn's black face removed from the Stormtrooper mm. mask. And there were so many nerds out there who love Star Wars, like, what is happening? <laughs> and like, you've never seen a stormtrooper's face before, and you're upset that the first one you see is black. Right. Like, that that should immediately make you question yourself. Yes. It's like, something like that, like, whoa, oh, I didn't even know that about myself. Yeah. Because I had no idea what any of them looked like until right. I saw, like, oh, great. There's a lot of there's a lot of different types of stormtroopers out there. That's fantastic. Right. Um, but it's when we get locked into these ideals of traditional. Mm -hmm. Like there was a production that was done years ago with um, of Cat in the Hot Tin Roof, starring Maggie Stacy, Brian Lennis Vulcans, and the Messenger, yeah. um, directed by Angela Aspel at the Edge. It was Love a great it. show. Yeah. Great show. They cast Russell Costin as Big Dad. Okay. He's this black man. Big, strong. 
on point. Like, it was interesting to see that story yeah. with him, with the black father. Mm-hmm. And you go like, oh man, well this guy's had his whole life outside of the situation. Yeah. So has this mother. I, I, everyone, in the, everyone around him is white. Great acting throughout. Right. So none of it was made me learn like, what the fuck's happening in here? <laughs> it was like, they, they created a world that I bought into it. But like, yeah. maybe Emma had all these children and then met him. Boom. And that changed everything. Yeah. And you can't, it, it's so many people are like, no, that's not Cat on the Hunting Roof. What is Cat on the Hunting Roof? What are these stories that yeah. you, we've, it's like, here, here's a, 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 to put it into a different context, for those of you who like sports, yeah. when you grew up, who was the greatest? For me, it was Michael Jordan. Yeah. So I'm always holding on to Michael. <laughs> I've always, like, I've got, like, I'm holding on to his shoelace yeah. right now. Like, that's all I can get of him. He's so high up there. But then there's this other guy over here to the right named LeBron, and I'm like, I keep wanting to push you down like the rest of the media seems to want to do. But like you're you're clearly better, LeBron. Yeah. You do things that he probably could have done, but he wasn't in the gym like you are. It doesn't have the, the, the metabolism that you have. Whatever it is. Yeah. The DNA, there's something different. And this is good. This is also good. LeBron yeah. is also good. Why can't that be enough? That he is mm-hmm. also good. Our, our idea of what we fell in love with when we were younger or when we first heard it or when we were first presented with the archetypes and the, the, there's, a, there's a foundation that seems consistent throughout all storytelling. But eventually we start re- being redundant even though we cut it a different way. Right. So whatever it is that we hold on to, why can't we also say that this is good? This is a good version. We, 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 we need to qualify it. We need to get right about it. And that's a, it's a phrase I've been borrowing a lot from other people, but this idea of like, when I tell a story, it's got to be right. right. As opposed to, I just want to tell a story. And I want to tell a story that matters to me. If it doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter to you. If it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect you. Yeah. But it's going to affect somebody. Absolutely. And it's going to touch somebody. And that's all that matters. And at the end of the day, if it just touches me, Maybe that's a little self-indulgent. Maybe. You can look at it from a hater's perspective and say that, yeah. But if I presented it for the masses and no one got affected by it, maybe that just means i got to try a little harder next time. That's all that means. Yeah. Um, I think it is vital not to, like, like I don't want to, like, it sounds like there's a lot of, like, forgive my rhetoric, people. I've said, <laughs> I've been very specific about race and certain things about this today. And I want to apologize for that because I'm not trying to make it like an us versus them conversation. My story is not a leisure story. It's not the same as like Theo Wilson or Danielle Betts or Kajardo Lindsay. They've gone through their own thing. I've had Abner Genesee on the show. I've had Anthony Adu on the show. Like whatever I've done or whatever I want to do is going to be vastly different for them because they've got a very different perspective on it. And I'm just trying to present it to you in and one of the things that has come up a lot is I've heard from specific groups of people that don't look like me. What does this mean for me? Yeah. And you just gotta, I hope what it means to you is that you'll be more open to the possibility that maybe not every show is designed for us. And it maybe it means you just, you just work harder. 
and we get to a place where it is a full meritocracy. And when we get to that place, the reward for being cast will be enough. Because yeah. then you know, I, got to, I did it. I did my job. I threw my thing down. And it, and it and that was enough for me. I'm kind of rambling here. No, that's fine. Well, and I wanted to say, too, to that point of just people, like you said, being open-minded and changing their perspective. Because even, even now, and I hate it. I hate this in... I can't just say it's Colorado and just, you know, oh, it's being around so, it's so many white people. I love white people. Obviously, I have a lot of white friends, whatever. You know what I mean? But even in this conversation, I've caught myself a couple of times being like, ooh, and I hate to, like, go back to, like, the person of color or just being black. But, like, that's my life. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many times where I have to apologize for that or I have to preface it with that. And, like, I hate that. Mm. It's exhausting. Let me just tell you, I want to piggyback on that because you've been doing that since you were, you've been doing that your entire life. We live in this world where we have to, we have to apologize for throwing the race card out if we had just been kind from the jump. Right. Like, I mean, if you'd just been kind from the jump, you'd be able to take, you'd be able to hear it and it wouldn't have to become with this caveat. Right. I wouldn't have to package it with an apology. Earlier too, like the way I have to navigate conversations in my life, it's exhausting of like. I'm already perceived as black girl, whatever she's gonna, you know, like, it's just, no matter what I'm gonna say, it's already, there's already a way that someone else is gonna look at what I'm about to say, unfortunately. Mm. Not everybody, yeah. but especially recently, there's just so, mm-hmm. so many instances where I'm just like, God, like, this could just all be so much simpler, right? Like, yeah. it just. Absolutely. I wanna, <sighs> I wanna start, no, I wanna start steering us back to to like I guess an ending here but uh, I just want to say thank you I, I mean to, to have that conversation with to, with us to let us into that yeah. that's how it starts we are better together than we are alone absolutely and the the second we start living in a place where like you know I need these I need my neighbors mm-hmm. we need each other to get through this yeah. the better um, we can all we can all be different. We can all believe in different things, but at the end of the day, you cut us open. We're the same. Elasia, when you started out, what is the ghost light you wish you were given? What's that little mm-hmm. piece of advice? Hmm. That's such a great question, cause. Um... I feel like just throughout my career, I always get nuggets in general, mm-hmm. but there was nothing that like in starting out that was ever like, do this, or, you know, I, I don't know how to, how to explain it. Um, for me, I think it goes back to what I said earlier as far as, as a person, mm-hmm. be a well-rounded person. That's gonna help you in life. That's gonna help you as a performer. Um, be a well-rounded performer, meaning <laughs> I always kick myself and I'm like, man, I wish I would have stayed in voice lessons and dance classes. Like, I'm a great dancer. Like, I'm I'm just saying, I'm amazing. But I If hate... this were in a podcast, I'd have you show right, up right, right now. boom. But I hate right. choreography. So that's one <laughs> thing where, like, whenever I have to learn choreography, I'm just like, uh, oh my gosh. Because not only do I hate it, I think I'm just very um, type A and just very mental and, like, perfectionist as well. So, like, there's that. But so I always tell just, like, younger actors, like, just make sure, like, you, you sing, you act, like, do, do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
However, though, I find myself kicking my own self when I give that advice because I personally don't like musicals. Mm. So I don't really even care about like singing and dancing and like it's great. I think I'd have more opportunities if I was just more comfortable with those things. Um, but like, would I even be happy doing all musical theater? I don't think I would. Mm. I don't, it's not the same as what I already do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking of just like when I think in the terms of like nuggets of information and wisdom, like it all just comes back to being well-rounded, whatever that means for you. But first starting that as a person, because mm-hmm. it's going to inform your work, who you are. It's going to inform your characters. It's going to give you a broader perspective. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah. And yes. staying true to you. Oh, I yeah. think when you start off in many ways, whether it's you're starting in high school, you're in a drama club or you go to college for it. Um, even though theater is this inclusive place, there's always there's always pressure on yourself from others or just on yourself, um, and what you're supposed to be doing or looking at someone else's path and thinking that's exactly what I should be doing. I mean, just stay true to yourself and what's mm-hmm. important to you, and um, let that guide you through your career and through your life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Elijah, so much for being Absolutely. a guest and for for going down this deep dive yeah. with me. It's um, I'm honored that you trust me enough to have that conversation Absolutely. with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Ghost Lights podcast. I want to remind you that the Ra- Oakland Raiders suck at football. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Whoa! Well, you might just have to delete this whole thing now. No. Those are just no, no, saying, no, it's saying. No, it's saying. Like, hey. I don't appreciate it. Hey. Um, I'm I'm bigger than you. Look. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the Ghost Lights podcast. Um, I want before I sign off, I just want to say, um, uh, an East High School student was uh, was shot a couple days ago. It was last night at 11 p.m. on Colfax and Pearl. His name is Reese Grant Cobb. Um, I might have I might have reversed that. Reese Cobb Grant. Yes. Um, so if you got any information, please hit up Crime Stoppers. There's a two thousand dollar reward. Um, if you don't. Share the message. Um, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a cops this time. It's he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. With he was that. gonna go to UNC. Mm. So yeah. Engineering. Yeah. So please, if you got anything, like, say say something. Hug your loved ones. Hold them tight. Tomorrow is not promised. Um, I love you. The Ghost Lights Podcast loves you. Please follow us on iTunes and Podbean. Our intro is usually the same as our outro. War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. But tonight, I wanted to sign off with a little something different. Migos. Good evening, everyone. I'm Ron Delirious here with the Culture Ride. There's a Jamie Foxx at the start of this video. Bringing out three incredible, wonderful musicians all the way from North Atlanta, Georgia. Please. Start clapping your hands now. The Migos. I have no idea what's happening here. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Hello. Oh, uh, walk it like I'm talking. Walk it. Walk it like I'm talking. Walk it. Walk it like I'm talking. Woo. Walk it like I'm talking. You. Walk it like I'm talking. Walk it. Walk it like I'm talking. Walk it. Walk it like I'm talking. Woo. Walk it like a talking. Hey.